Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are fully back. It feels so exciting to be doing a race recap episode again. The race this weekend was so fun. I just can't believe we're in the season now fully. Um, And then next Tuesday, we'll be dropping our Saudi preview combined with our Drive to Survive Season 5 recap. And we have lots of thoughts on that, as I know you guys all do, too. So super excited. We'll jump right in. There's tons to talk about. I'm Tiggy. I'm Sarah. And I'm Chessa. So before we jump into the race, we have a fun merch announcement. So as we mentioned last week on Patreon, one of the big benefits is merch discounts for our Patreon members. And so that leads us to a very exciting announcement. We have done a redesign of our merch. Big shout out to my cousin, Kirsten. She helped us a lot because she's a fabulous artist and we will be launching that soon. So our original, dare we say, vintage merch items will be no more. So this week is your last chance to (laughs) snag some of that first merch shop before we make way for the new. We're very excited. We'll be teasing it soon. Um, I feel like it's like trendy and fun. Can't wait. (laughs) Woohoo! I'm so excited. Also, big shout out to Chessa. You did God's work on this too. So thank you. Thanks, my love. So let's start with our favorite section on the race, the takeaways. So my main takeaway is that the top three has barely changed. Mercedes, uh, we have Red Bull being insanely dominant. Ferrari sadly still has ongoing reliability issues. And Mercedes still under-delivering in terms of pace, still unhappy with their car. But as I like um, and is very on brand for me. We have a whole new fit midfield. I'm super excited. I think Astra and Martin looks like they might be in like the top three to four contention this year. Uh, We had some amazing overtake moments thanks to our man Alonso. And then McLaren is now basically at the bottom of the grid. Like I think McLaren and Williams might do like a flip-flop this year. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. That would be crazy. The main storylines to me felt like, of course, Aston Martin and then also McLaren. And Aston Martin's success is even more stunning when you consider that they're a Mercedes customer team. So they have the same power unit as the Mercedes, but just had a way better race pace, which is wild. Besides that, this wasn't really the biggest thriller, but I think there's such funny revenge arcs for Otmar and Danny. Danny got pushed out of McLaren, as we all remember, and then for the second year in a row, their terrible car and testing turned out to be actually terrible. And then Otmar loses Piastri to McLaren. We're going to talk all about that in our Drive to Survive recap. And then Piastri fought tooth and nail to drive for McLaren, again, for a horrible car. So hopefully everyone's playing Karma by Taylor Swift on repeat. (laughs) And then have to add that the two Red Bulls beat Alonso by 30 seconds. They were so far ahead during this race that the commentators (laughs) weren't even talking about them. It was as if they didn't even exist. Yeah, like I don't think Max got a second of airtime. It was like so boring for him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that that feels like the last half of the season, honestly. Like Red Bull was running away with it. Everyone knew they were going to win the championship and no one was talking about them (laughs) except when the cost cap came around. Um, So... I agree with pretty much all of that. It already kind of feels like a boring championship up at the top already, which no surprise that my anti-heroes fantasy team is outperforming right now. I'll let you guys all guess who is on that. Um, But (laughs) hoping that we see some really fun action, you know, P2 onwards. They're already like 
both Tressa and Sarah, you guys said, tons of promising signs with Aston Martin, even some rookies showing speed. I know they didn't have like a super exciting quality, but Logan doing as well as he did. And I don't know, I'm excited to see how that pans out. Loved the Alonso Hamilton back and forth. Like, even though I'm sad Hamilton is fighting it out back there, like it'll be fun to watch that hopefully going forward. The one thing I will say is I think like all the current doom scrolling right now for teams like McLaren, Ferrari, Mercedes, like I think let's give the season a few more races before we're like here, here. end of season fates <laughs> too definitively. I mean, let's remember Red Bull had a double DNF at Bahrain last year. McLaren had a really similar poor results and they were fighting for fourth. Like some teams absolutely will just have a bad car, bad season, but I do think first race of season jitters, reliability issues. I think unless you're Red Bull right now, there's some dust that needs to be shaken off before we're like fully sealing people's fates. <laughs> I like that. That is such a good point. And what was it after Australia last year? Charles was 60 points ahead in the championship and everyone was exactly. saying, oh, over. This isn't going to be that exciting. So, so much can change. And a lot of people have brought up, we'll see what happens, but Red Bull might fall behind in the development curve because because of both winning constructors and their cost cap penalty, they get less wind tunnel time this season. And so maybe some of these other teams will really kick it into gear and do well on development while Red Bull maybe is super fast now but won't be able to kind of maintain that once everyone starts catching up. We'll see. Hope everyone can find 30-plus seconds. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> All right, let's do our MVPs and LVPs. Sarah, you start with your MVP. I have to go with Lance Stroll. (laughs) (laughs) Never thought we would see the day. (laughs) Right. Me neither. I'm surprised even as I say it, but just have to give him a shout out here. He severely broke his wrist a few weeks ago, had bolts in in his wrist, totally missed preseason testing. And then in FP1, he had car issues and missed half of it. So by the time he showed up to FP2, he had done about 17 laps when the other drivers had done a day and a half of testing, and then an hour of FP1. And then in FP2, his wrists were bothering him to the point that he couldn't turn the wheel properly and had to take his hand out of the thumb hole in the wheel in order to turn it, and then shows up and gets P6. So driving with a broken wrist doesn't really seem that smart. (laughs) I think he definitely risked further injury, but props for the commitment and for that drive. Truly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Alonso calling him his life hero or whatever, it's it's definitely super impressive. But man, I hope he's not like risking, you know, the early part of the season by by doing this. Anyway, totally. I similar note, got to give it to I would say the Aston Martin machine as a whole. Of course, the drivers, they both did incredibly, but also the team who built this car and the team that's running strategy and everything else. Like we know it takes all the pieces coming together to string together a great race. So I'm just super impressed. I think, Sarah, you already said it, but just to go from the back of the pack to potentially fighting for a top three spot has to be one of the most impressive like bounce backs or turnarounds (laughs) in recent memory. Um, So I think that's super exciting. I think everyone was like, oh, they have may have a fast car, but like they really have to string it together to like pull out a good race. And they absolutely did that. And then obviously Red Bull. Speaking of the team, check out our interview with Bernie Collins from during the offseason. She was the head of strategy for Aston Martin until midway through last season. She was a big part of 
getting all those pieces together and also talked with us a bit about what she thought about the future of the team. So definitely check that out while we're talking about the the Aston Martin operation here. Yeah. I think for me, Aston Martin, um, specifically Alonso is my MVP um, for all the reasons you guys just said, but also Alonso like single-handedly saved what would have been a really boring race and made it a little bit more fun with his his good (laughs) overtake moments. So I was really happy about that. How about LVPs, least valuable players? For me, there are a lot to choose from, but I'm going to go with Ferrari reliability. I think something's got to give for these poor, poor drivers. I just don't know how Charles and Carlos continue to just suffer through, whether it's reliability, strategy stuff. It is a new season. It is first race. But man, that's really, really rough. And the tire deg too. I'm, I'm feeling for them and for all Ferrari fans. <laughs> Mine was McLaren. Like I could just, I just couldn't look away. It's just like bad to worse every second um, for poor Zach Brown. Also at um, Acon, like I think him LVP, like all of the issues with him serving his time penalties, penalties, which we'll talk about, was hilarious and definitely very unfortunate. Yeah, that was just comedic. Even the announcers were kind of laughing every time they announced a new penalty. They were like, "Is this real?" <laughs> for me, Mercedes. Toto said this weekend for the first time, he finally said our car concept was wrong. We need to do something different when everyone's been saying that for a year. I'm just really surprised that after their struggles last year, they didn't try to revamp things during the winter. And now it's just so apparent that their car concept is totally wrong when they have a customer team doing way better than them. I was seeing someone saying, I don't know if this is like fully true, but that his kind of post-race message sounded kind of like an internal I told you so sort of thing. So I wonder, I mean, he is team principal, Buck stops stops with him, but I wonder like if he's been trying to say this and like he's getting pushback on the engineering side or whatever, like, I don't know. I mean, from the outside, it looks like you guys have gotten this wrong for a long time now, just change it. But I wonder if there's like internal strife and Toto's on one side engineers or whoever else is on another and it's been a hard road to try and steer the ship the opposite Ooh, if direction. that's the case if that's the case first race of the season everyone buckle up and get your tea because it's going to be very interesting <laughs> we'll that see. is a great point that's so interesting how did your all's hot takes hold up oh god i said ferrari mercedes <laughs> one two what was i thinking But I will say, I put my more realistic predictions in our race day group chat where I had Max P1, Charles P2, Alonso P3. So besides Charles, two out of three, not too shabby. So I'm happy with that. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. Mine were horrific. I had Checo outperforming Max, which is never going to happen, but yet I always make it a hot take. (laughs) (laughs) And I had Charles in P2. So just L's all around for me. (laughs) So diving in to practice, first off, before we even get into that, the new title sequence is just hilarious. The memes are out of this world. Everyone's staring at the floor, the memes of like George and his like Titanic-esque pose everywhere, just so funny. Um, But also just another note on like cameras and angles and stuff, the helmet cam is so great this year. So that has been awesome. For FP1, the first time kind of seeing real race weekend running first off lance was not even wearing a brace on his wrist this guy has bolts in his wrist so stressful i just 
what is going on here? But then he had to sit in the garage for the first half due to car problems. Teams were still experimenting with aero rakes and paint to fine-tune their setups. Ferrari also experimented with two different rear wings. One is higher downforce but less secure. It was literally wobbling around. Martin Brundle said that Ferrari might face an FIA investigation for that, which is interesting. It was really nice to see Mick in the garage looking so serious and focused with Toto. They had the exact same stance and expression at some points. It was also good to see Carlos really pushing the car, pushing the limits, experimenting in both testing and in FP1. He had a big off at turn 10 at one point, but saved it. And naturally, Checo, Alonso, and Max were on top. For FP2, I think this was a very representative session since the track is, of course, in the desert. It's extremely hot, and this session is in the evening under the lights. The track is a little bit cooler, so this was a lot more representative of quality and the race. At one point, Stroll did set the fastest lap here, and then Hulkenberg did, so that was definitely a vibe. God is excited. Lance was really struggling with his hands here, his wrist, um, but we ended up with Alonso on top, then Max and Checo. And then the same thing happened for FP3, Alonso, Max, and then Checo. Quali. So Q1. Q1 was super exciting because it looked like everybody was really close together. Unfortunately, that did not end up being the case, but it was cool <laughs> to see that initially. Um, so right after Leclerc went out on mediums, he had a huge lockup and part of a front wheel cover came off. So he basically toasted his tires. The session was red flagged for this, which was kind of strange. Um, it seemed a little bit dramatic to red flag that, but yeah, unfortunately Q1, every rookie got cut as we said, but Logan was so close to making it. He had the exact same time as Norris, literally down to the hundredth, but got bumped because Norris had set his time first. And Gasly unfortunately got his lap time deleted for track limits, ended up in P20, which was such a bummer, but we will talk about how he crawled back. But then out in Q1, so we had Logan, K-Mag, Piastri, DeVries, and Gasly. For Q2, the Ferraris and the Red Bulls looked like they would be in a very close fight for pole. Again, sadly, not super representative of Q3. The Aston Martins and Mercedes were up there as well. I would say the highlight was Hulkenberg easily made it into Q3. He was cruising. What a legend. And it was interesting that he was just really outperforming K-Mag across the board all weekend. No McLarens made it into Q3. Big yikes. So out in Q2, we had Lando, Botas, Joe, Yuki, and Albon. For Q3, this is definitely where it became a little bit more clear that the cars were much farther apart than they seemed in Q1. Also, we got to see for real that the Aston Martin was not a fluke. The pace was very real. Max set his fastest lap early on in Q3, so he got provisional pole. But as we know, the last minute of Q3 is always exciting. Everyone's trying to take their last flying lap before the clock stops. But only the Red Bulls and a few other cars actually did that. It was really startling. There was just like video footage of Charles just getting out of his car, watching the TV. And then also Alonso was just in the garage at the end. Um, For Charles, this was Ferrari's attempt to save the tires for the race, which I think in a interesting turn of events or something that we don't see that much. Charles defended Ferrari's decision there. They wanted to have the new soft tires off the start to have a better grip, better grip and a stronger opening stint. The Some extra context here is that they have been having issues with tire deg, but I think we all have mixed thoughts on this one. I mean, there he did like have a really strong start in the race. He did pull ahead, so there's you can definitely say that they made the right choice there, but what do you guys think? 
Well, he continued to defend it even after the race, which is interesting. So Charles definitely thought it was the right call, but I don't see it. I'd say put some damage on some soft tires to try to get pole in the first race of the season. It's nice to have to defend, then overtake at the start. And if you get pole, you don't need the new soft tires <laughs> to overtake two Red Bulls at the start of the race. So I don't know. I didn't. I didn't totally get it. Yeah, also saving tires doesn't really matter if you can't finish the race because of reliability issues. But I guess neither does pole. Um, I guess at a, at a track like Bahrain, it does make sense to potentially like not have pole be as important and save tires because of the overtaking opportunities. Like No one would ever do that at Monaco. But here it maybe makes a little more sense. Still a very strange thing, like not something that we've seen very often at all um everyone was pretty confused what in the world is going on like why is charles watching the tv when there's one minute to go out of his <laughs> car in q3 yeah but anyway max and checo cruise to a one two and besides that the main excitement was alonso in p5 and then in a bit of foreshadowing hulkenberg's lap was deleted for track limits so Top 10, we had Max, Checo, Charles, Sainz, Alonso, Russell Hamilton, Stroll, Ocon, and Nico Hulkenberg. I think it's a decent top 10, switching it up a little bit. Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. We all need a little extra health boost sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal 
personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. For the race... First lap, the start was exciting. Max got off the line really well and pulled ahead while Checo had a bad start and Charles jumped him almost immediately. Checo and the two Ferraris were all wheel-to-wheel at one point, which we love to see. That was exciting. But overall, really great start from Charles. Hamilton also jumped two places almost immediately from P7 to P5. Meanwhile, Stroll got a bit overexcited behind Alonso and clipped his rear Both cars were fine, but what was so funny was Alonzo didn't know who did it and kept being on the radio like, who did it? What happened to them? And they didn't tell him that it was Stroll. (laughs) And then Alonzo didn't see this actual footage until the cool-down room where they were replaying the first lap and the commentators thought it was hilarious because he just had no reaction at all. He was just staring at the screen. (laughs) They literally were like, and zero emotional reaction from Alonzo there. (laughs) (laughs) and then max of course started driving off into the distance and we mean that quite literally for the first few laps he was gaining a second a lap which is just insane my gosh insane all right let's go let's go by team tiki start with red bull red bull what do we even need to say here (laughs) i mean p1 and p2 (laughs) no we won't skip it but we'll we'll give them their their due it honestly i won't won't let you skip it don't worry (laughs) oh i know (laughs) Um, their results, like obviously incredible to start the season, but it doesn't even really emphasize how dominant they were. We just, we talked about the time differences. So Max finished 12 seconds ahead of Checo. Alonso was another 30 seconds back. Just insane. Charles bested Checo at the start, as we said, but in terms of race pace, the Red Bulls were just in a league of their own. Lap 26, Checo passed Charles pretty easily for P2. And remember last year at this race when Max and Charles had that epic multi-lap battle where they kept passing each other back, but basically the opposite situation here, (laughs) unfortunately. Checo thought he could have pushed more and been closer to Max if he hadn't had a poor start. Um, He's also kind of coming out guns blazing this season and saying he's not a number two driver, but as we know, he will need to lay down the gauntlet very fast if he wants that to be the case. And yeah, yesterday was not was not that, but still good on him for qualifying well, getting P2. That still takes a lot, obviously, even though he is in a fast car. Um, I wonder what Max was doing. Yeah, I wonder what he was doing for two hours while he just chilled 20 seconds so far ahead of even his teammate, like daydreaming, thinking about his best friend Lando, plotting general world <laughs> domination. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, but he's literally a robot, so I'm pretty sure he does not daydream. <laughs> he probably still had a blast. He's like, oh, I'm driving the car, yeah, whatever, we're good. Exactly. He's doing his what he loves to do in life. I feel like it's such a balance between – Red Bull kept saying they had the perfect weekend, and it was objectively perfect, and that's what a driver wants is to just get pull, pull ahead at the start, drive off into the distance. But at the same time, they're racing drivers. They want to actually be racing people. So I wonder if they're – the favorite races end up being well, the ones where they have yeah. good battles. I mean, if he's winning, like you can't complain. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's talk about Aston Martin, baby. What a freaking weekend. They are the absolute talk of the town. And this was, I don't this is only his second podium since 2014. So it really is a big deal. He hasn't won a race in a decade. And now this just seems like kind of imminent. Stroll's only 24. He has a lot in front of him. If this car really is going to be fast, um, And as a little bit of recap, Aston Martin has been a 
pretty troubled team. They went on, they underwent a lot of different rebrands. They were Force India, then Racing Point, then Aston Martin. And as an as a constructor, they've never won a race. Uh, Lawrence Stroll, who's Lance's dad, of course, has had a ton of faith in the team, and it definitely helps that he has a lot of resources to put into it as well. They're going to get that new state-of-the-art facility at Silverstone in 2026. Um, and in the past few years, the team itself has hired a lot of talent. As a bit of a juicy backstory, Dan Fallows was a very senior technical person at Red Bull who worked closely with Adrian Newey for over 15 years, but then he moved to the he moved to Aston at the start of last season to be their technical director along with a few other Red Bull people. So Helmut Marco definitely made a little dig at him this weekend that the Aston is the most similar to Red Bull and that Dan and Co quote all have a good memory. That's <laughs> I I do trade secrets litigation, so Red Bull call me if issues <laughs> here. <laughs> Someone, I saw some tweet that was like, calling it now, the Aston Martin car is illegal. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> That's hilarious. Crap. Oh that my might... gosh. Like, what was it? I the Ferrari in 2019? That would be crazy. Oh my God. For Alonso, he really just came to play. And like Chessa said earlier, he was the main reason that this race wasn't just a total snooze fest. He had a great wheel of a battle with George on lap 13. George fought back well, but the Aston was just too fast. And then later on the race, Alonso made his passive signs for the podium look relatively easy. <laughs> just look, just <laughs> clearly so much more power. He also had a wheel to wheel battle with Hamilton about halfway through the race. Hamilton, like George, defended really well, but Alonso ended up doing a pretty crafty overtake that ended up sticking. And this will be an interesting dynamic to watch this season since they were teammates at McLaren in 2007 and pretty openly dislike each other. Um, the Guardian commentator said that Alonso made the Ferraris and the Mercedes cars look, quote, silly, <laughs> which was very funny. Yikes. This was his 99th podium, so the road to 100 is on. Wow. For Stroll, it was really nice to see his mom in the garage. She was so happy. That was very cute. Uh, he also broke his toe in addition to his wrist, which I think just goes to show how fast they think this car is. Like, I don't, like we said, he wouldn't be risking further injury if it was a mediocre car, but he probably doesn't want to impact his place in the standings. P6 to start the first race, considering all this, really great. Um, also ahead of George, definitely an achievement. Um, yeah, Alonso is just singing Stroll's praises, his future world champion, also life hero. <laughs> This relationship is hilarious. Like, I really, I'm so curious if this bromance persists or if it's going to start to get spicy. <laughs> um, but they did well on strategy too. Lap 32, Stroll had that great undercut of Russell. Um, so interesting. And it just makes you think about Seb. Like, Seb's only 35. He's younger than Lewis, six years younger than Alonso. Seemed like a lot of his retirement was driven, you know, family for sure but like also not wanting to drive around stuck in the midfield or back of the midfield um so I don't know I wonder what he's thinking at this point seeing seeing how well the Aston Martin team has done with this car and how Alonso is literally on podium yeah it made me so sad thinking of Seb if I had to guess he probably didn't believe Lawrence Stroll's big promises about an imminent turnaround which I totally get if he was with the team for years the car kept being bad all the team principals in f1 are always saying there's an imminent turnaround but i guess alonso was just really buying whatever 
Stroll was selling. I don't know. Alonso must have seen something in the team when when Seb didn't. Let's jump into Ferrari. Things were definitely looking positive for them at the start of the race. Charles had a quick start on those soft tires, and he beat out Checo for P2. But things quickly fell back into typical form for them. Um, Sorry to the Tifosi. That was probably heart-wrenching. Charles's car literally stopped and he screamed, no, no, no power. <laughs> he had to retire with the blackout of his of the control unit on lap 41. So it wasn't like right at the beginning of the race. It seemed like maybe there was hope. But yeah, lap 41, he was out. Is Binotto joining Otmar and Danny and playing Karma while living his best life? We'll have <laughs> to see. Um, we have to wait for it to be a trend. One race could just be a fluke. But What's even more ominous is Ferrari spotted some other issues in Charles's car before the race even started. He gets to take on some new power unit elements, which, as we remember, are kind of like limited throughout the season. So that was a big, big change for them. So because of that, he'll be taking a penalty in Saudi. Luckily, Sainz was able to salvage P4 for them. I mean, that's like their only silver lining and it's only a P4. But it's, I think for me personally, I think it's still too early to say, okay, Ferrari has changed or they haven't. We need to give it a little bit more time. But what do you guys think? I agree. I think it'll take time, especially since Fred Vosser, the new team principal, really hasn't been there for that long. And so this is really still, if anything, kind of the after effects of the previous t- t- kind of team under Bonotto. And maybe Vosser has big changes coming and we'll see that trickle down more towards the end of the season. But I think just for team morale, it's a disaster. Like, Charles just really doesn't seem to have that much faith in the team. So many memes everywhere of, like, will Charles emotionally make it through (laughs) driving for Ferrari? It continues to be unclear. (laughs) Seriously. It's also unfortunate because it's not like it's one singular issue. If it was just reliability, if it was just strategy, or if it was just, like, X, Y, Z, that might be a little bit easier to pinpoint or fix but it just seems like across the board they're struggling with with all of those things like inner management tire deg reliability on the car like drivers also occasionally making mistakes when it counts i don't know it just seems like across the board there's just so much to to think about and to fix and i don't know if that's going to happen over one off season it was interesting scott mitchell at the race who has really good coverage in his little race takeaway, he was saying that it's for the fans. It's not Red Bull's fault. They're doing their job, doing super well. It's Ferrari and Mercedes letting down their fans by just not getting it together and letting Red Bull be 30 seconds ahead when it's just it, – it, it kind of costs, costs everyone. It costs F1. It costs the fans. Oh, I hope I hope there's – some we have to see it play out yeah let's just have hope okay you're right I like that optimism optimism (laughs) also it's like how much do you blame the other teams versus credit Red Bull like Red Bull is in a league of their own and probably deserve a lot of credit versus just blaming you know the other teams but anyway Haas so K-Mag P13 and Hulk P15 it was not the weekend Gene envisioned after Hulkenberg's amazing quality performance. He had started P10, but had front wing damage on the first lap that sort of toasted his race, unfortunately. Um, but nonetheless, still relatively promising quality, and hopefully we'll see more and better from them. For Alpine, so Ocon, just the the race of all races for him in a bad way. <laughs> he It was like almost comical, and, and I hate to say that, but it almost was. And, you know, he DNF'd. So, like, let's start with Ocon. 
he everything went wrong for him. He had a bad start, dropped a few places on the grid, then got a five second penalty for being out of position on the grid before the start. Then he got an extra 10 seconds for failing to serve his penalty correctly because the mechanic started too soon fixing his damaged front wing. Then on his way in to serve his 10 second penalty, he sped in the pit lane and got a 15 second penalty. <laughs> then eventually they just retired the car since there was really no point. <laughs> um, but on the flip side, Gasly had a great drive. He went from P20, as we said, to P9. So in the points, he pit really early. He was the first to pit, which seemed a little risky, but it ended up totally working. And yeah, so that was great. They already made some small suspension suspension changes for Bahrain. So interesting that several teams are working on car changes this early in the game. But yeah, Alpine's come to play too. For AlphaTauri, we had P11 for Yuki, just missing the points, and then P14 for DeVries. Pretty standard weekend for AlphaTauri, but it was a little interesting to see that Yuki was beating DeVries pretty handily so far. I think we have to wait and see. Um, maybe like DeVries had first race jitters, um, but the Yuki DeVries, I don't know who's going to come out on top. Yeah, I was surprised. I was not expecting Yuki to be that far ahead in both quali and the race, so maybe first race jitters. We will see for McLaren absolute train wreck for them. It was like Ocon, but just for everyone and the entire team (laughs) Poor Piastri had to retire within 15 laps of the race due to gearbox issues, some type of electrical problem. Lando also had a lot of car problems. He finished dead last of the cars that finished the race. He had to make six pit stops, because they had to keep adding oil to the car every time he stopped due to engine problems. It looked so strange. Kind of by one of the side pods, they were clearly just putting something in the car. It looked very sketchy. Lando finished legitimately two laps behind the field. It was so sad seeing him driving behind all the top cars when he got lapped. It was just really tough to watch. But overall, it must be super vindicating for Danny and for Otmar. It was just really stunning given how Zach treated Danny and at this rate McLaren is basically paying Danny 18 million dollars so that someone else who they stole from another team in a sense can drive their bad car around (laughs) savage (laughs) might be harsh but I'm down I'm very down on McLaren right now hot take or maybe that not that hot you decide in February 2022 so this is before the extent of McLaren's struggles last year were fully evident Lando signed an extension through 2025 with them and I just think if this continues, Lando will try to get out of his contract. Um, He is really seen as a talent kind of on par who should be in the same discussion as Max and Charles and George and the other drivers of his generation. And he's just driving around in this really bad car. So we'll see. Extra hot take is Max recently said Lando is his best friend on the grid. What if Lando goes to Red Bull in like a year or two replacing Checo? I mean, I hate to say it, but I could totally see that. Yeah, because like where else would be, what else, what other likely better seat would would be there for him? I mean, Checo's seat seems the most likely. I don't think George or Hamilton is going anywhere anytime soon. Ferrari, both drivers seem pretty locked in for now. Um, I mean, I guess you could argue Aston Martin <laughs> could open up a seat at some point, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess on the other Going option is if Lewis had like a shock retirement, but I think Lewis is committed and in it. I think Lewis has like five more years in him. Yeah. 
I think Zach Brown's going to be fired. Also <laughs> such a hot take. The, we should have just led with our McLaren hot takes here. Yeah, I mean, I, I know they just, like they just changed team principal. I guess like Buck still stops with Zach to a certain degree, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how likely that is, but it's definitely possible if the McLaren ship just keeps tanking. <laughs> we will see. All right, let's talk about Mercedes. Also a pretty depressing vibe over here. Russell literally said, quote, Red Bull has got this championship sewn up. I don't think anyone's going to be fighting with them this year. Like I was saying earlier, though, it's race. why are they being so defeatist after one race? <laughs> I mean, it's probably super bad. Like, it might not be as bad as you realize. I don't know. But Max was 50 seconds ahead of Lewis in the finish. Total basically said that the team's hopes at a title were non-existent, that they really just needed a whole new car concept. Hamilton said that they're the fourth fastest team and have gone backwards. And Toto said Red Bull's performance reminded him of their former selves. Quote, that, that is what hurts because they are so far ahead. It reminds me of our best years when we were pulling a second on everyone else. Wow. <laughs> it's just like so depressing. But I think what's the most stunning is that Aston Martin is the Mercedes customer team, like we said. And they're just resoundingly showing them up right now. They were P5 and P7 with Stroll splitting them. And then Alonso was on the podium. That just goes to show there's so much more to the car than just the engine. And Mercedes like really seemed to have botched the aerodynamics for a second season in a row. Um, and they were really struggling with their rear tires yesterday as well. So definitely one thing a lot I will say in defense, surprise, surprise, um, is that I do think that the drivers are doing really well with the car they have. And like to say yeah, that Aston Martin is like, 100% showing them up when they're like splitting them I don't think is fully true like Aston Martin obviously is like deserves most improved award and we expect Mercedes to be up there but like it's not like Aston Martin is 30 seconds ahead of Mercedes you know I think like we we need to see how the races play out and but I think George and, and Lewis have done a good job with the car that they have been given which again is not a good one um, but we'll see how it plays out there was a little bit of a hint of drama on lap 10 when Russell was in P6 directly behind Hamilton and was like, I have more pace. What's he doing? And Mercedes put Hamilton first and put the drivers on different strategies. So it kind of avoided further drama, but potentially a spicy little hint of some excitement to come this season. We shall see. (laughs) But what, what do you think is going on here? Where do you think, where do you think they go from here? I'm just, I just feel like I need to wait and see what happens more. I don't think they're, they have unlimited range to go upwards. Hopefully they don't slip backwards, but I think they'll definitely be fighting for third or fourth in the constructors this year with Aston. My best guess is I think it'll be similar to last year. I think they'll have podiums, hopefully can get a win this year, but I don't think they'll be competing for titles. But I've said this time and time again, I feel like you really cannot underestimate Lewis. You can't underestimate Toto. So hopefully they can pull something out of the bag here. Tiki, as a Mercedes fan, what are you <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah, I am not super optimistic, unfortunately, just given where the car is at. And it just seems like they haven't really figured it out. I wonder, my main question is when they start to switch to thinking about next year's car, which sounds like a horrible thing to say March 5th or 6th <laughs> after the first race. But, you know, I think at some point you got to – I don't know. I don't think, obviously we're not there yet, but I wonder if like they really do need to fully upend, change the whole concept. It's not possible to do this season. 
if they kind of cut their losses earlier than we would expect and start focusing on the next the next car in the next year um so i don't know we'll see but yeah it's hard to feel a lot of optimism i was really hoping that this off season they would kind of pivot their direction and be closer to to red bull and the top but it just seems like that's not at all where they're at and i don't know how much they can do kind of mid-season but we'll see all right we'll wrap it up with williams and alfa romeo Williams had a great weekend. Albon was on the points at P10, Logan in P12. So very impressive for his first race. He was very close to making it in Q2 for his debut quality, which is really great. And then I think Albon overall is pretty optimistic as the team has made a lot of progress. For Alfa Romeo, overall just bad day for Joe. He had a P16, but Botas in the points at P8. He showed great pace all day um, and had a really solid drive. So maybe that mullet really is doing it for him. <laughs> And the mustache. Can't forget the mustache. <laughs> so to wrap up constructors standings, we have Red Bull with a whopping 43 points. Aston Martin with 23. Wow. Mercedes 16, Ferrari 12, Alfa Romeo 4. And of course, our radio of the week, we had to give it to Alonso. Quote, this is a lovely car to drive. I'm happy for them. I'm not a huge Alonso fan, as we all know, but I am I'm happy and I think it's bringing some excitement. <laughs> so with that, we will see you guys uh, next week for our Saudi preview and our Drive to Survive recap. And reminder, a merch announcement is coming very soon. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.